0: Welcome back to another episode of What the HR, an award-winning podcast. I'm Jesse Novi,
1: and I'm Mike Tool. The What the HR podcast explores how to build people-centric businesses through modern practices and approaches. New episodes are released frequently, so don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episodes.
0: Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by Carrie Ann Betson stimson Carrie Ann is a financial services marketer currently leading the marketing function at JMMB Financial Group, which has operations across the Caribbean with headquarters in Kingston, Jamaica, where she's currently based. She's a firm believer in the need to implement creative, out-of-the-box marketing strategies to drive deeper customer and employee engagement that create the win for, for brands. Her current role as Group Chief Marketing Officer includes the overall leadership of marketing strategy, development, and execution, including customer insight management. carrie Ann is also the producer and host of The Internal Marketing Podcast, a personal project where she supports the business leadership community by hosting discussions with various subject matter experts in internal marketing and employee advocacy. Specifically, her aim is to flip the marketing conversation to focus on how companies can market internally to their employees with a view to ultimately engaging and empowering them to become advocates of the company brand. So you might be wondering... Uh, Jesse this is a uh, an interesting uh guest with a different background that you're having on your podcast today and the answer is yes uh, we haven't had somebody with Carrie Ann's specific marketing expertise but we are really excited about the topic that we cover with Carrie Ann today um, we specifically talk about how internal marketing can really help build a stronger em- employee brand and cu- help by cultivating a healthy company culture and why H and marketing should really join hands um, in the power in doing so. So, not only um, do we, of course, talk about H- an HR related topic. But as somebody personally who doesn't have a marketing background, I learned a lot about this incredible function through Carrie Ann's expertise. So I think uh, not only will you be inspired about the power of these two functions uh, joining hands, but I also think you're going to walk away learning a lot about um, marketing. So as always, enjoy the episode and please do us a huge favor by heading out to your favorite podcast platform, leaving us a rating and review so that we can help make sure that the What the HR podcast is getting out to other HR practitioners and business leaders who would benefit from our awesome guests and our incredible topics. So thanks again and enjoy the episode. All right, well, Ann, welcome to the What the HR podcast. Thanks for being uh, here with us today. Thanks,
2: Jesse. Thanks. I, I really appreciate the opportunity being here and I'm excited
0: about this conversation. Yeah, we're excited too. Um, so we're going to be talking about um, company culture today and, par- and HR's partnership with marketing. But before we do that, can you share with our guests a little bit about you and your background and what brought you into the space? Sure. Well, my day job
2: is that I'm a CMO. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer of JMMB Group. And JMB is a financial services group of companies. We are headquartered in Kingston, Jamaica, which is where I'm based. So it's spring and summer all year round where I am. Uh, So we're headquartered in Kingston, Jamaica, but we have operations not only in Jamaica, but across the Caribbean as well. So we are currently in Trinidad and Tobago and in the Dominican Republic as well. So I'm head of marketing for the group. I've been in this role for 10 years, which I understand is like dog years in the life cycle of a CMO. Uh, but that's my day job. Love it. And... um my passion project, which is what I do off hours, is I'm also the producer and host of my very own podcast, which is the Internal Marketing Podcast. So I'm an in the, indie the, in the podcaster, and I love it as well. Started it just to really help drive a conversation around internal marketing and employee brand advocacy. And so that's me.
0: Well, wonderful. Um, what's the name of your podcast? Let's give it a little plug. Right. It's the internal marketing podcast. Uh, So if
2: you Google it, you'll find it. It's anywhere podcasts are heard. And yeah, that's that's a focus of it. It's really just supporting a conversation about how businesses can really engage and empower their employees to be advocates of the brand. And I know we're going to get a little bit into internal marketing in this conversation today. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, so our our listeners might be wondering why we're talking so much about marketing on an HR-focused podcast, but that's really what we're going to talk a lot about today is just the important partnership and the valuable partnership between marketing and HR when it comes to building a strong employer brand. Um, But before we do that, I always like to just start out with the fundamentals and never assume that our listeners know you know, maybe what we're referring to when we say employer brand. So could you start out there, Carrie-Anne, with how you would describe employer brand and what you think it encompasses?
2: Great. So I'm not going to use any kind of textbook definition. I'm just going to break it down based on my understanding and the working definition is really an employer brand is how your current and prospective employees see you. Right. And it's what what are they saying about you when you're when management is not in the room is something I'd like to add to that. Right. So when we of course we say current employees because we want our current employees to love us and to enjoy working with us and being part of our team. And we want them to truly love us and truly believe in who we are, what we stand for, purpose as a brand or products or services and um, prospective because, hey, you know, we're always probably going to be on the lookout for great people to come and join and be a part of our team. You want them to have that same positive perception of your company as well. It makes your recruiting that much easier, right? Uh, you don't see any negative or or you see very few if any negative comments on places like Glassdoor and it helps folks to really want to be excited to join your business. So that's what an employer brand is. It's what your current and prospective employees are saying about you and management isn't in the room.
0: Mm-hmm. That was a good definition. So why do you think that it is important for HR and marketing to join hands in this effort? And kind of maybe a a double-pronged question. So that would be the first part of the question. And then the second part is, are you seeing it happen as much as you feel it should be?
2: Wow. Okay. This is going to be fun. So now, well, HR and marketing. So apart from the fact that we are probably two very underappreciated functions, <laughs> so we can go out and have a drink together and share stories about that. Uh, the reality is, of course, HR is many things. So HR, yes, is about culture as well. Part of the, the, the run of the roles in the company that is really focused on building the kind of culture that we want to see and have in our business. But also recruiting really is connected to HR. HR is responsible, again, for finding the right people to fit the right roles in the organization. And um, HR knows how to do that. They do it pretty well. And then on the flip side, marketing is about driving business, right? Getting the customers in through the door to make the revenue that pays everybody, including HR and marketing, right? Now, I know as a marketer, when we're in marketing school, our focus, again, is on customers. And I get that because, again, that's why we're in business and our job is to bring in revenue through sales, through customer conversions. But the challenge that we have as marketers is that we don't always tie the dots between what it is we do. And the people, a.k.a. the employees, the team members, the associates who deliver on that product and service, right? So we are so focused on the customers, we forget about the team members, the employees on the inside, who are the ones who are supposed to be delivering on the brand promise externally, right? Mm And so that's where I think a marriage between HR and marketing really needs to be stronger because I think marketing needs to turn more of its attention to. What's happening internally? How engaged are our employees in the brand of the company? Do they believe in what it is we offer as a product or service? Are they excited about working here? Because again, when the customers come in through the door or they pick up the phone or even they log on online, use our tools or our services, if they don't see the dots connecting between what we promised to them and what's the delivery of service they're getting from the employees, obviously they're going to take off. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing you want to have and positive word of mouth is where it's at. So going back to the connection, what's marketing doing with HR to say hey we want we 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 want that reality for ourselves and then on the HR side HR wants to build a strong employer brand it's part of culture building it's part of recruiting but respectfully HR doesn't always have the same skill sets as marketing does which drives to the heart of shifting behavior, changing perceptions, building awareness. So I believe there's a great opportunity for the two to come together where the quid pro quo is obviously on the marketing side, engaging employees in the mission, the vision, the purpose of the brand. And on the HR side, how is HR leveraging the skill set of the marketing function to build a strong employer brand, which positively impacts culture and also recruiting as well?
1: So I'm curious on creating like the like the roadmap. I would say for the brand, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it seems like marketing would would push that message. But if it's not landing the way it should within the employee base, like do you work with HR to maybe tweak that message that you're putting out there to make sure that it does match? Because I feel like if if marketing and HR are disconnected, marketing has this message that they're sending out, and then HR somehow has to build that internally Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't match up with what's being said like who pivots does is it hr's responsibility to change to make sure that they're meeting the message or does the message have to change
2: Right. So you know you're you're bringing up a great point Mike because I think first of all I think we probably need to bring in another function in here depending again on how your business is structured which is internal comms right. Yeah. So internal comms usually I know in my company where I work internal comms sits in HR in so other companies it's in marketing in others it's in like corp comms that sort of thing. So I think whoever is responsible for the internal communications component, they will certainly have to be a part of the conversation. But I think to go back to your question about whether or not the message is landing, I think, again, leveraging the skill set of marketing. I know a lot of what HR does is that they will do things like employee satisfaction surveys and that sort of thing to see how comfortable people are working, happy they are working with the company. But on the marketing side, I think there's an opportunity to bring in the marketers in the conversation, which helps them to focus not just on culture and employee experience, but brand engagement, right? Are employees engaged in the brand? Do they believe in what we say we are as an organization? Do they think that we have great products and services? Are they proud to say that I work with ABC Limited, you know, whatever your company name is? Yeah. Let's test that, right? <laughs> Let's test that and see, well, are they, are they happy? Are they engaged in the brand? Because that's great information that HR can use and marketing together can use to determine what kind of messaging we need to be putting out there, what needs to be tweaked and things like that so that you get the outcome that you, that you want.
1: Mm-hmm. It, and this is more of a marketing question because I'm just curious about it, but how, sure. how does it, how does marketing externally differ than internally?
2: you know, fundamentally, they're the same in the sense that, again, you're trying to build awareness and engagement and equity in the brand. You're just doing it to two different audiences, right? One is to the customer, one is to the employee. What kind of changes is when you get into some of the rudiments of things like you may have heard of like the four P's of marketing, place, price, product, promotion, right? In the case of internal marketing, things like your product, because in the case of the customer, the product is what we give them, right? Whether it be a product or a service. In the case of internal marketing with an employee, the product is actually the job. It's actually the culture. So is the job or the culture that we provide for our employees, is it something that's fantastic, that's awesome because you gotta start there. If your product ain't great, nobody's gonna buy, you know? Promotions, of course, would differ in the case of internal marketing. The channels that you're using to speak to your audience, which is your employees, you'd be probably using things like email and Slack, or Microsoft Teams, that sort of thing, because those are the channels via which we can send information or market to our employees to communicate to them. So it's it's rudimentary. This very much sure. the same, but the the nuggets and the the elements of it would differ because the audience is quite different.
1: Mm -hmm. go ahead jess you look like you have a question
0: (laughs) i just didn't want to interrupt you if you were gonna jump in okay um so i'm you know you gave a couple of examples but i'm also thinking about things like employer listening strategies Mm um also like Career pages, you know, why why would you want to work for our organization and that whole experience too, kind of going back to talent acquisition. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to just maybe shed a little bit more light on um, some of those partnerships and you know maybe where they've been lacking in some cases and and where that that experience from a um, attraction perspective, but then also Mm -hmm. attraction perspective, obviously, with the careers page and that experience, applicant experience, but then Mm -hmm. a retention perspective, leveraging things like employee listening strategies, sharing that data with marketing, and then that partnership going forward.
2: Mm, Wow, this is great.
0: Um, And we could break it down if you want to start external first.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because my brain is kind of, kind of going all kinds of different directions. Because internal marketing and fundamentally how internal marketing works and marketing and HR, that partnership really making a difference is actually not so much in the career page direction. It's really more so about how are we including our employees in the conversation to get folks, get the right folks applying, get the right folks interested in working in our organization, right? Because we could have, with your respect, we we can certainly, and probably part B to the question or or part B to my answer is, you know, we can sit down and go through, well, you know, how can we structure the application experience, the career page, and the official company communication tools and channels to get the recruiting success that we want to get in building a great employer brand. But what internal marketing really is leading to is something that we call employee advocacy or employee brand advocacy which is how are our employees carrying the message of the brand externally to prospective employees who the company would want to attract in this case mm-hmm. as part of an employer branding strategy and that's i think the, the probably the most powerful thing that you could ever do because when a company sets up a great career page and application experience and putting out great ad- advertising for the roles and you know, onboarding awesome recruiters to support the process, all of that's necessary, don't get me wrong. But what a lot of companies are missing when you talk about employee listening is that when we're listening to them talking about their level of engagement with the brand, are they happy working here? Do they believe our value proposition with the products and services that we offer is unique? What we don't necessarily do, and again, going back to the partnership with marketing and HR, is that we're not necessarily spending as much time as we should fixing those things. Because what's going to happen, or certainly what's not going to happen, is that if you don't, the employees in their own social media pages, their networks, the the glass doors of this world, they're going to go and they're going to complain, they're going to rat you out. And let's face it, prospective employees would faster believe the word of your current employees than they would faster believe the wonderful, fluffy, lovey-dovey stuff that Mm. we put on the career page about how awesome we are, you know? So that's why I always like to go back to why internal marketing is so important, leading to employee advocacy, is that if you can engage your employees in the brand in a powerful way, they're connected, they're happy working there as an employer, then they're going to talk about it. They're going to show it off on their social media pages. And people are going to be like, hey, Jesse looks really happy working there. I want to check out that company. So when they get the call or they see the ad, they go on the page, they're like, Yeah, this is a great place to work. So for me, that's really what, what at the heart of it should be listening to employees with a view to making the changes to the culture, the experience, everything that speaks to how we engage them in the brand is so that. They become the advocates we need externally because what they say is going to be far more powerful than anything we could ever do.
1: Mm -hmm. So I have, yeah, I have. That's that was amazing, and I have two follow-ups to that actually. So one is, how do you measure that brand advocacy? Mm. Is that just seeing posts, or I mean, it's it's just not as easy as maybe just a survey, right? So how do you? Is there is there a way to measure that? Um, let's, let's start with that one because the other question is a little bit off.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So depending on how, I mean, employee brand advocacy is a broad nomenclature and you as a company could actually set up your own employee brand advocacy program, or you kind of just can let it flow organically, right? So when you talk about measurement, you typically would be able to measure something within the Confines of a more structured program, all right? Because, you know, once you have a program, you know who your advocates are online, you know the people who will be posting about you, about the company, that sort of thing. So I would say, yes, there is a way to measure it, and I would recommend you measure it within the confines of an employee brand advocacy program. And what that program is, it's about really just going to your employee base. And seeing, first of all, who is online, who's active online, who likes to post stuff, whether they do organic posts on social media or they share content or some folks have a blog. Some folks like me, I'm a CMO, but I have my own personal podcast. Right.
1: Right.
2: So you reach out to your employees who have that online presence. They're active. They're comfortable. And you say, hey, would you like to be a part of our employee brand advocacy program? Would you feel comfortable talking about ABC Company Limited um, in in anything that you do? Once you get their alignment, then you basically give them all the tools that they need inherently to be able to do that, whether it be anything from personal branding training, um, you know, just maybe a nice little seminar on how to optimize your profile on LinkedIn, that sort of thing. And then coming out of that is that you can give them stuff that they can share online and you can track to see where the traffic is coming from. So let's say, again, going back to recruiting, you have an awesome job opportunity you're opening up. You're looking for a senior manager in marketing and you put the ad out and you'd normally put it out in your official company LinkedIn page. But what you can also do is you can engage your brand advocates and you can say, hey, guys, we have this opening. Could you post it on your own LinkedIn um, timeline, you know, in your own feed as your own content saying, hey, you know, we're looking for a great senior marketing manager and you can track through who is connecting through the link that you give to them, whether the links or the the, the the click-throughs are coming from your employee brand advocates, and you can actually see how that traffic is impacting what's hitting your page. You know, the tech folks, and I'm sure you might probably know more about this than I do, but yeah, the tech folks can tell you where that traffic is coming from because mm-hmm. typically for companies that do this very, very well, like I know Mercer has an employee brand advocacy program. I spoke with uh, Daniel Guzman, who is their head of employee advocacy. And she says whenever they're doing an event or they're recruiting, they can tell the traffic that's coming from their employee advocates on social media. And she says invariably they always overpower because, again, it's personal. It's people to people. You know, people like to do business with people. They believe in the people more so than they do the information from the official company pages and that's a great way to measure the impact of that
1: is there so is the advocacy programs that you're speaking of there is some technology that wraps around that
2: Yeah, yeah, there are quite a few platforms, uh, several platforms, perhaps not very many, because I feel like employee advocacy is still new and coming up the curve with respect to how companies are embracing it. But there are platforms that are available that companies can access, you know, each employee kind of gets a nice, you know, you get your username and your password, you can access the platform. Uh, What the company can do is they can put stuff in the platform that says, hey, here's the information that we'd love for you to share, whether it be new job posting, an event, et cetera. And then the users can take that information and post it independently on their personal social media pages. Yeah. So there are platforms that exist that make that pretty seamless.
1: Yeah, I've seen some of those that help just like push out information and it's a little bit, right. It's kind of all about the company and it's kind of leveraging all the employees to just push it out and build the brand. And mm. I'm curious, like to me, the true employee advocacy comes from, I want to go talk about this on my own, right? I don't need yeah. you to tell me what to talk about. And I I'm curious that. if, and 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 that advocacy comes from a lot of different pillars within a business too, right? It could, mm-hmm. it could be compensation. It could be philanthropy. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, DE&I efforts. There's just a ton of things. So I'm curious what you focus on with. Within maybe your company, or what you suggest people focus on that builds brand advocacy fastest?
2: I love that question because I, you know, it's as I was listening to myself talking, I'm like, you know, I really. Uh, was looking forward to the opportunity to develop this discussion because I really wouldn't want folks to come away with the wrong impression that it's really just about using your employees as walking, talking billboards, right? Uh, Because again, going back to internal marketing, it starts with the engagement. Employees, first of all, need to believe in the brand and need to believe in the purpose of the brand. Mm -hmm. But as you transition into employee advocacy, you have to design a program that works for you and works. For them, there needs to be a quid pro quo, right? So again, if you have employees who are already active online, there are some employees who are like, "Hey, I'm comfortable with doing my own content. I can create content, I can curate it, I can share it. I'm good." And they would want the leverage and the latitude to be able to do that. And I think companies should let them do that. I mean, social media policy needed. Let's just put that in. That's a whole lot of conversation, probably, uh, but. You need to give them the latitude. There are some employees, though, who are a little bit more shy, you know, um, timidity or even straight up imposter syndrome is a thing. And so why I mentioned the fact that you can have content in a nice shared space digitally where employees can go in and pull stuff. That's also something that's possible, you know, because, Mm. hey, they're willing to do it. They just don't know how to get started and put pen to paper, as it were, to get it done. So for me, I think it, again, starts with the engagement. Once you have an engaged group of employees, the question is, who wants to volunteer to be a part of brand advocacy? Who is more comfortable kind of winging it on their own? And then from there, giving people the latitude within the strictures, the structures, the boundaries of what it is they can and cannot post. And hey, as long mm. as it comes across as authentic and they're doing it from an authentic place of engagement then and empowerment, then good to go. Mm-hmm.
0: And you think so, maybe there's something, sorry, Mike, just to piggyback okay. off of Carrie Ann's last statement. Do you think there's, um? do you think it's worth companies kind of. Keeping a um, keeping tabs on how much, to Mike's point, let's just say, f- uh, for sake of conversation, the pillar is a lot of employees are really passionate about how well their company is doing from a DE and I perspective, and they feel. You know, like they feel like, uh, like they're a really strong member of their team, a sense of belonging, a sense of inclusivity, and they're really excited to talk about that. But there are other pillars where the company is really, you know, doing a great job too and keeping their employees engaged and excited. And Um, uh, people are excited about working for the company because compensation is really competitive. Or uh, to Mike's point, maybe they do an incredible job with philanthropy. So is it good to kind of keep tabs on what your advocates are talking about to make sure that there's a well-balanced advocacy, if you will? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and, and it's not Only
2: so much about keeping tabs because, you know, I don't want employees to get nervous that, you know, their employer is snooping around um, Mm -hmm. on their social pages, you know, although that is a thing. Uh, Because let's face it, you know, I I just as a sidebar note, I tell people, you know, whether you like it or not, you're a representative of the company that you work for. Mm -hmm. And so if the company is about, you know, equality, equity, diversity, inclusion, um, let's just keep it real. Um, you can't be spouting anti-Semitic stuff <laughs> on your social media pages and people in LinkedIn worse, and then they know where you work. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm starting from, where that's concerned. But it, it, So it's important to kind of keep those tabs. Uh, but at the same time, it's very, very important to Know how to balance freedom and latitude as well as, you know, kind of keeping tabs because, again, it's about authenticity, right? So, if you find that m- most of what folks are saying is about compensation then allow them to have the conversation, you know. Um, try not to manage, okay, well, we need more, you know, DEI messages to go out there. So let's let's, let's see how we can, you know, navigate those conversations. I wouldn't recommend that that's something you do because that, that actually, again, could come off as very inauthentic. And I mean, let's face it, even if most of the messages are about compensation and that's what your employees are talking about, they wouldn't be talking about compensation if the DEI shop wasn't in order. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 I'm a woman of color and I'm well-paid, but yet I'm being treated like crap, then I'm not going to talk about how well-paid I am. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, right. I'm going to actually talk about how, how much I'm, I'm not being treated well. So once all of your ducks are in a row, just allow the organic conversations to flow. And, hey, a great company to work is a great company to work. And once all the ducks are in a row, you'll be fine.
1: It, this may be, again, not a marketing question, but... Um, but this is the first time we've had marketing on, so I, I don't know what the best questions are. My My question is, what have you seen from employees that tend to increase their advocacy? Like, is there something like compensation? We, we talk about compensation. That's something you're probably not going to post about, but when you're talking to a friend or something, like that's maybe something you're bringing up. Like, I, this is why I love to work there. And, and that that's pretty powerful. Are there certain things that you see companies doing really well just within their business, that seem to increase the amount of advocacy that they see out of their employees?
2: Well, the big topics, and I mean, LinkedIn is a great place to look for those kinds of conversations. I mean, the big things that I see folks really singing about is the whole matter of work-life balance, you know, especially coming out of COVID right? Um, where, you know, we were forced to kind of hunker down and work from home. No, a lot of companies have said, you're good. You got to go back to office five days a week, two days a week. There's a lot of conversation around that. So work-life balance, uh, unique benefits is also something that's a big conversation among people who talk about where they work online. Uh, so again, it's not just about getting a paycheck, you know, PTO, what kind of PTO benefits do I get? Is there, are there things like childcare or just a Whole unique work environment that's really fun and engaging to be a part of. I think it's more of the non traditional kind of benefits and uh, work-life issues that are part of the conversations that I'm seeing on LinkedIn right now are the big things that people tend to talk about and less so about compensation. Leadership is also big too. You know, what kind of leadership environment am I working in? Do I feel I can talk to my boss openly? Uh, Do I feel treated like a person? Am I heard? Uh, Things like that. Those are the things I would say are the big topics that advocates tend to shout about and talk well about or not.
1: Yeah, and and I imagine there's a lot of companies that are doing great things like this, but they're not working with marketing to get that message out there. Is that is that a fair statement?
2: I would agree. I would agree. And I mean when you say work with marketing, and I, I want to just reiterate the point is that it's one thing to issue the PR statements, right, about how great it is to work with a company, it's another thing again. To find out from marketing, how do we influence behavior in our employees in a way where they feel motivated to want to talk about the company? You know, I mean, a great example that I saw is great example, not great for them, was over the holiday season, Southwest Airlines had a huge gap of a travel issue that took place with them canceled thousands of flights folks are stranded at the airport now as a marketer southwest is an awesome brand right it's one of those brands when you read about internal marketing case stories they're like up there because you know you 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 take a south if you've ever taken a southwest airlines flag you kind of feel the the fun and the love and the engagement from the team it's like hey this is awesome well, when the <laughs> the gap happened over the holiday season and the journalists now started to snoop around, they were talking to frustrated employees who went on the news and they went off. Well, we've been telling them that the system was broke for years and they weren't listening or you know, we tried to let them know and they they didn't hear what we have to say and we're not being paid, we're not being compensated. That's when compensation comes Uh up, right? We're not being compensated properly and we're the ones on the front line and the customers are understandably upset. And I'm like, you know, look at that, you know, because sometimes we spend so much time focusing on things like, you know, maybe great pay, great, great benefits. I mean, I have friends who work at Southwest and they quite enjoy those things. But when it comes down to the rudiments of things like listening and engagement and letting and whether, whether or not employees feel proud to work at Southwest, those are the things that I think would have probably caught them completely off guard. So, to go back to your question, you know, what? look at that employee net promoter score. You know, I want to mention that because we do a lot of work in marketing to measure NPS for customers. What's your ENPS? What's your employee net promoter score? Work with your marketing team to figure out how do we calculate that and measure it and track it and see if there is anything that we need to fix.
0: So, carrie Ann, I'd like to follow up on your comment about the net promoter score. For our listeners who are interested in partnering with marketing on that, can you um, just expand a little bit more on how it might be measured, what some of those questions one might ask, things of that nature?
2: Sure, no problem. I'm excited to talk about that because, again, as a marketer, we spend a lot of time focusing on customer net promoter score and not enough time on the ENPS. And again, a great opportunity for marketing and HR to work together. So the net promoter score, again, not using textbook definitions here, just a nice working definition, is what's the likelihood that someone – is going to promote your brand to your ideal constituent right so in the case of a customer net promoter score is usually when we do like customer satisfaction and engagement surveys we ask the customers straight up would you recommend our company to a friend family member or colleague to do business with would you recommend that they buy our products use our services and based on the percentage response so let's say you do a survey of 100 people they will you have 85 people saying hey um yeah i would recommend you that's 85 percent, 85 over 100 is your basically your net promoter score you know in simple basic terms and uh, That's a score that we marketers typically want to track because, again, it gives a nice indication of not just customer engagement and loyalty, but it can also give a nice unscientific way to know what's our word of mouth. You know, our, our customers really talking positively about us to their friends, family members, colleagues, et cetera. Now, in the case of employees where you have your ENPS, your employee net promoter score, it's the flip of that. And it's a similar question that you'd ask your employees is what's the likelihood that you would recommend a friend or a family member to work with ABC Limited, wherever your company name is? Okay. And that is where you're going to get a lot of surprises, because it's one thing that you're going to be, you know, barreling through, working through the company. Yeah, no company is perfect, but, you know, you will do it. But will you recommend a loved one to work with a company Is a whole other kettle of fish, usually entirely? And we want to know what that score is. We want to know it as HR. And certainly we want to know it as marketing because it gives an indication of brand promise. But where HR is, it helps to give an indication of the health of your employees. Employer brand, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just about one question. I would also say that going back to that whole point about surveying, when you're doing your employee satisfaction and engagement surveys, that question is awesome. Yes, what's the likelihood that your team members, your employees will want to refer? someone to work with your company, that's one. But again, going back to do you know what products and services you offer? Suppose someone came to you and asked, you know, what do you guys do? Do you feel confident that you'd be able to answer? Do you know what makes us stand out from the competition? Do you know what makes us better than the competition? Uh, How do you feel about the brand? Do you think this brand is a prominent brand in our industry? Are you proud to say that you work for brand ABC? Those are the types of questions we need to be asking, because again, as HR, the responses will tell you whether your employer brand is in trouble or not. And while HR may or may not be able to lead on those studies, again, that's where the partnership with marketing comes in, marketing using their expertise and experience, they can Help to design a wonderful survey that serves both functions so that we know when our employer, if and when our employer brand is in trouble. And certainly from a marketing perspective, if we're having challenges with word of mouth externally or whether or not we're going to have an issue with employees being able to deliver on the brand promise to our customers. So I would say it's definitely something that more companies should be investing in.
1: So the surveys are so interesting to me because there's there's so much variability within surveys. And mm-hmm. just as you were talking, so our company does that. And what I think is missing sometimes is prior to that survey going out is explaining to people why we're asking those types of questions, because I'll tell you, I've learned that now But earlier in my career, when somebody asked, what products do we sell? Do you understand this? Do you understand this? I felt like it was a test. (laughs) and (laughs) I wanted to say, yeah, of course I understand that because I'm supposed to. When now looking back on it, that company now is getting false information and assuming Mm. that people do understand that. So I'm curious about when you do design those questions, how do you? Like how do you work with HR and and maybe comms to make sure that people understand exactly why we're asking every question? And should a survey be designed that maybe explains this is why we're asking? It's okay to say no because it helps us here.
2: Right. Great, great question. So we did a survey like this not too long ago. And the first thing I would recommend is don't let it come from HR. (laughs) It's not a survey. (laughs) survey. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let it come from HR. HR should not be the one to be asking those questions because, hey, perception is a powerful thing, right? So a survey coming from HR, people will probably be on their P's and Q's in a way as like, oh, I need to know the products and services. Oh, my God, it's going to go on my personal file. So, you know, we, we first of all, I think coming from marketing, I found it to be far more beneficial. And the languaging that we used was, hey. Marketing is about building an awesome brand, right? In my case, Brand JMB, And we want to talk to you as our key internal stakeholders, the people who design the products and services or serve the clients every day. We want to get from you, how do you see the brand? right? And so when you frame it that way, you're engaging them on a different kind of level where it's almost like they feel like they're pointing a finger at someone else as opposed to themselves. So we ask them questions like, you know, again, you know, do you think that our brand enjoys great prominence and respect in our industry? Do you understand our products and services? Or what we would say is specifically, we said, look, if your cousin came to your house, you know, this evening and said, you know, why should I come and in bank or invest with JMMB, which is my company, they would do you feel comfortable that you'd be able to tell them why they should choose to bank with us as opposed to banking with, with Wells Fargo, right, by way of an example? And they were far more honest saying, hey, you know, I don't think I could tell them how much better we are than Wells Fargo or not. And we really started to get some more authentic responses. And so once we get that, we can use it again from a marketing perspective, but we can also under the table share it with HR and say, hey, HR, we, we we have some issues here because the team is not necessarily proud of the brand. They don't feel good about working here. They don't necessarily feel like this is a place they would recommend that someone else work. And so it's a great way to really get uh, information in a way that's not as pressuring and far more factual and authentic if it's not coming from marketing? And how do you onboard them in the conversation in the way that says, hey, we're in this together. We're trying to build a great brand. So we want your feedback.
1: That that makes great sense. Um, I, I know what a good NPS score is. I don't know what a good EMPS score would be can you share <laughs> what would so be So
2: that like what's i ideal? I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not even going to embarrass myself. I mean, I know on the because the thing is First of all, I'm not confident that enough companies are measuring ENPS in a way where you could get a nice sure. national average that says, hey, this is where you ought to be. I know on the NPS side, anything over like 70%, 75% is fantastic, right? Um, so we had like in my company, we had like a 82% one quarter when we did the testing and it was like, whoa, so I mean on the customer side, anything over uh, 70, 75 percent and and hey you can probably Google is your friend. you can Google and see if your industry, if there's any kind of a quasi you know federal state local body that does this sort of thing and you could probably try a benchmark first. that's what I would say do your first test, do your first survey, get a score. Then do it again the next quarter and the next quarter and see if you're moving. You know what I mean? Maybe sometimes you just need to set your own benchmarks, do some reading, see if you can, you know, collaborate with other HR professionals from other companies in your industry and see if they're doing ENPS, you know, pinch them, you know, what's your score on the DL, you know, because, you know, we want to know how well we're doing, you know, it's just me and you. And then we can use that as an opportunity to measure where we are.
1: I don't know why. I feel like it'd be lower than an NPS. I. I
2: it could be it, right because there's it, a saying in Jamaica: "to to see me and then to come and live with me are two different things."
1: <laughs> exactly, that's <laughs> what I mean, right? It's I love the food. I don't want to know how it's made. Kind yeah. of thing, but. Um, and then the yeah. other, so I guess following up on that, and then I know we're running out of time, but did, do, when it comes to EM. Yes. should you look at different divisions differently when it, and i know the numbers are like we're not really sure what the numbers should be we need to benchmark and whatnot but uh, i would imagine that certain labor pools within the company the emps the ideal emps may be different right it doesn't necessarily have to be company-wide or does you know, it
2: that's that's an interesting perspective um I do think there is value in breaking down the scores from the perhaps I would say maybe the three main areas of the company which would be maybe your front line if that applies to you. Yeah. You want to know your eNPS of your front line and you want to know your eNPS of the middle and back, right? Because their experiences are quite different, right? But what I would say is still keep your eye on that overall eNPS score because whether you're front, middle or back, they can still click that post button on LinkedIn and go postal about your company. And the audience is not saying, oh, well, she's in the back office. So her experience is a little bit different. Let's take that with a grain of salt and focus on what the frontline person is saying. You know, the the external audience, they they don't care. They want to know what's going on. What I would say is, is that what you could do is when you're crafting this survey is you'd have different questions for the different areas of the company, again, based on what it is you want to know. So for your frontline, they're the ones staring the customers in the face every single day. You want to ask them things like, do they feel empowered to solve customer problems in the moment, right? Do they feel they have all the tools to serve the customers effectively? You know what I mean? Those are the questions you'd ask them as frontline. And then from the middle and back, you'd probably have certainly a different set of questions for their realities as team members in the middle and back who are looking at the business and have a different angle of experience as well so that's what i would recommend
1: yeah i was looking at it from like how do you increase it and like to me if excuse me the the emps is 70 um average right that's that's the total company but It's 30 in a service department, you know, like that. So that's why I was asking, right? So are you able, should you break it down per department so so you know that, I mean, if if we, you know, we're we're a 30 in our service department, which is super crucial. So Mm -hmm. impacting that is going to bring the overall one way up.
2: Absolutely. And that's yeah, I would say definitely do both. So you break it down, definitely do the breakdown so you can see if there are any pressure points in any particular departments, divisions, units, etc. But still keep that overall score in your line of sight.
1: Awesome.
0: And what I would just maybe pile on for, excuse me, recommendations for our listeners is, you know, most companies that offer listening strategies to employers <clears throat> Sorry, both Mike and I are have frogs in our throat this afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they will allow you to slice and dice your data by demographics. So you can also look at your EPS score by, you know, women, um, people in leadership.
2: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: you know, your non exempt versus your ex- exempt employees. And so, obviously, that's dependent on the um, third party vendor that you're choosing to work with and, you know, how fancy their technology is. But I thought your point, carry on on don't take your eye off the overall employee promoter score. That's super important. But then I think, just like with any good listening strategy, de- uh, using the demographic data to dial down and find out maybe where some of your hot spots are so that leaders that are over those individuals can maybe spend a little bit more time either ensuring they are privy to the products and services, making sure that they do um, have access to the resources that they need, that their employee experience is a good one, there's belonging. I mean, the list go, obviously goes on and on, right? Um, and then, Mike, you had asked about... Um, you know, what is a good employee promoter score? And I think probably a lot of those um, listening strategy vendors could probably give some insight to into our HR listeners that are maybe interested in learning a little bit more about um, a standard maybe for for their industry or carry on to your point. If not a lot of people are measuring it, they can at least give them a general benchmark of something to sort of work off of um, as they're uh, looking to explore that maybe for the first time.
1: Sounds like Absolutely. a new, yeah. sounds like another episode that we should focus on. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I know we we ran up against time here, but um, be- before we go, Cherry, can you share with our listeners how they can find you? You know, what's your kind of social media um, preference and uh, just general contact information if if they want to talk more about internal marketing.
2: Sure. No problem. So I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the platform where I'm on the most. So feel free to reach out, connect Carrie Ann Stimson or Carrie Ann Betten Stimson, and just feel free to follow along, connect. I love to share content there. Uh, The other place is my podcast. Again, the internal marketing podcast. Uh, Google it. You'll find it wherever podcasts are heard, all the major podcasting platforms. And Just give a give a listen, uh, give a review, give feedback if you like, and just be a part of the conversation, uh, because we have done um, a couple of episodes on things like employer branding and culture and, and that whole partnership between marketing and internal comms. I've had HR professionals on as well. So it really is a great, awesome opportunity to really give this area the focus that it deserves. So I look forward to connecting with your audience.
1: Awesome. Well, this was this was fun. A different mm-hmm. topic for us and uh, definitely very important for our listeners. So thanks again, Chiranne.
2: Thank you. Thanks, folks. Much appreciated.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcshirm.org. That's podcast at tcshirm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.